Saturday. We're loving ourselves as an act of rebellion. This is your host, Dr. Anita Shomo, and today we have a special guest, Chef Katrina Mills. Welcome to the show, Chef Trina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell everybody about, you know, who you are and what you do, whatever you want people to know. Sometimes people say like their hometown or just whatever you want people to know. <laughs> well, I think the most important thing to start with is that I'm an Aries. We're Aries late, Aries women. That's very important. Aries party. <laughs> um, but so I am a chef, which I've been classically trained, but I've just like grown up in this. I've been doing um, professional cooking in some capacity for like over 30 years now. Um, but I've been here in Cincinnati for a while I'm from Chicago and New Orleans, but um, been in the military and live in different places so food has always been like the background of everything two like really great food cities you know you, we grow up with good food um, and that is a part of your who you are makes you who you are so on top of having my chef's training I have also what's called a culinology degree so it's like the culinary and food science degree but it's not a strict food science degree um, which is all science um, so it's a little bit of both and um, I've, I've been just kind of incorporating that. I also do personal chef, private chef. I used to have a couple of celebrity clients and um, pe some people call me a local celebrity chef. I don't, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, but <laughs> now you definitely um, are. You're, you're everywhere. I know you teach at um, Jungle Gyms. J Jungle Gyms is like world famous. People come to Cincinnati and they want to go to Jungle Gyms. So you teach for a Jungle Gyms. I never think about that though. It, it, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that big to me, but yeah, so right. I'm pretty much the main instructor for those classes. Uh, a lot of, I do a lot of demos, um, demonstration, culinary demonstrations for like P&G and different organizations. And, and that's how we met. We met, um, you did a demo. Morgan had me, yeah. She had me cardio in UC. Um, and so that's how we met and just been, just been rocking with each other ever since. Ever since, yeah. <laughs> and so I do... Some kind of teaching in some capacity. So right now, I uh, I'm, I'm still a, a, a contractor um, for the culinary school, Midwest Culinary, but um, I haven't taught over there for a while. But I've been doing that for about 16 years. Right now, I'm running the Finley Culinary Training Program. So it's a program that Finley Market has, and it's a collaboration with CityLink Center. I've um, been doing that since January. Um, so just like really, really defining that that space right now and then I do meal prep as you know and yes. some personal chef stuff but the thing about and um, catering, me catering. and catering yes. <laughs> uh, so the thing about me that I think is different is that I always have some kind of um, healthy component or healthy lifestyle component to what I do right. so um, the foods that I cook I don't do you know the mainstream stuff that you really see out there especially in urban areas um, and I do have a lot of um, international influence so I, I do a lot of cuisines and taste and you know introduce people to different um, flavors and foods and things so I, I like that and it's just natural to me right. um, and no, you're very you make good. it easy right you like it, a lot of good stuff <laughs> uh, yeah, i know i i love everything because i grew up i don't know i just grew up eating a lot of different things i grew up eating a lot of fast food um because my parents had a business so we ate a lot of fast food so that helped me develop a palate that most uh, probably young people didn't have 
Um, so, so yeah, I make it pretty easy on you. I'm just like, whatever, whatever you cooking, I will eat it. Um, and I'll, tr I'm open to trying different things. There's actually foods that I had never even had before. Like, I don't know that I ever had dragon fruit or like jicama. Like there's really? just all kinds of stuff. And yeah, I threw I that in your salad, didn't I? <laughs> no, you made me a, you made me a curry egg, uh, eggplant curry recently. I was like, this is amazing. What? Vegan. It was a <laughs> vegan curry. Yeah. yeah. But it, you always like all the like international stuff the most. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. And that's, and so that's kind of the thing. So like we both met. We, so we met and then you were working. Um, so you had cooked for me and made me some meal prep meals. But then we started, we both, uh, we kind of connected on that love of teaching level because I love to teach and you love to teach. So you just ran off your resume of all the places that you teach. Um, and so that's kind of how we partnered and started teaching cooking to to um, teenagers in the school yes. where, I, where I work, um, where I still do community work. Um, and so that was actually a really great experience. And that's one of the biggest things for me as a physician is, is really like how I start, how I wanted to, well, basically the kids actually asked for that. They said they wanted to learn how to cook, but they had in mind, they wanted to learn how to cook like fried chicken. Mm -hmm. so like, but I'm here to expose you to different things. And that's one of the things that, um, so let me back up before we just kind of start talking about food and everything. So this is part of my um, series for the um, Health is Love and the Love Rebellion and the Self Love Saturday um, podcast. We are doing a series right now <laughs> on um, coping. So I just wrote the course, 14 Day Coping Skills. And so we are just talking about different ways that people cope. And so cooking can be a way that people cope. Um, and then eating and food, of course, can be a way that people cope. And so, you know, part of the biggest thing I say in the, in the course is that there's the idea of constructive coping and destructive coping. And yes. so that's kind of what I wanted to teach the, the, um, the teenagers. You know, they were like, we want to make fried chicken. And I'm just like, well, there's other things to cook because a lot of people just are not exposed to that. Yeah. And one of the things for me that's interesting that I always have to kind of push back against is that a lot of times when it's like white people teaching those classes, they want to make it culturally appropriate, but then they're like, well, they can afford X, Y, Z. But I'm like, but they can still get exposed to it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. If you go to a cooking class, it's supposed to be imagination and creativity. Involved, yeah. You know? There's so much to it. And so I didn't like, I don't like when people kind of, when they come into the inner city and they're like, well, we only want to use these ingredients because that's what's realistic. And it's like, you want to have some balance. You want to like yeah. teach them like how to reimagine like things that they already know, but you also want to expose them to different things because that was one of the, one of my favorite moments when we were cooking was one of the teenagers was like, I don't like vegetables. I don't like vegetables. <laughs> and then you were like, well, try them. And you know, we, we gave her some spices. We're like, put these spices on it, right. olive oil, that sort of thing. And she was just like, she, she tasted it and she was like, okay. And I think it was like zucchini and squash. Yeah. Like and the one, the like one student broccoli. who her mom, I think is diabetic. So she was like really, really excited to learn about different things that she could help feed her mom. And we right. were introducing those things. So yeah, it was, it was interesting, but then they kept wanting to go back to, they wanted ranch on everything. They wanted hot sauce on everything. Right. And, and then one of the things I talk about from that experience too. So, you know, we're trying to teach them the constructive coping skill, how, you know, cooking can be fun and how it can, you know, you can have foods to make you feel well too. Cause that's the biggest thing for me, as far as food yeah. goes. Like, I don't like eating a lot of heavy food because I don't feel well. You don't but feel eat heavy food, right. so that's why I don't ever right. ask for any heavy things. I'm like, you know, I want light foods because I want to have food be a fuel 
because I work a lot, you know, and yeah. I can't just be like way down and feeling heavy like that. So, um, but one of the things that I often talk about from that experience is, you know, with, with myself being a black doctor and you being a black chef, when we were teaching that class, a lot of, a lot of the black students who were part of it were often like confused. They're just mm-hmm. like, do black people eat like this? Like, yeah. is this white people food? And it's just yeah. like, there is no such thing as white people food. I mean, you know, there's, there's traditional, but that really was how they saw it, it was black and white right. for them. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> well, yeah. So, but it frustrates me because this is what I try to talk to people about. Like a lot of times the foods that we eat, especially in our Midwest Southern culture, like, you know, I'm from Cleveland. Cleveland is very Southern. Like, you know, um my you know our families are all from the south everybody left the south yeah. and they came up they came up to the midwest for jobs and they brought their culture and their foods with them and so my dad like to eat fried chicken every day um and i've actually i've actually was not a big fan of eating fried chicken when i was young like i didn't really eat a lot of fried chicken i mostly ate french fries french fries was my vice like that's different food, yeah french fries like that's what i wanted like the, it doesn't matter where it's from i just want some french fries me too um, and so that's kind of what I had to break out of that habit of like starting at like 18, I started, I started cutting back on carbs because my dad had diabetes and he was my age. And so at 18 years old, I said, okay, well, if I, in 20 years from now, if I don't want to have diabetes, I can't eat fries all the time. I can't eat pasta. I got to try to eat more vegetables and that sort of thing. So it was a conscious decision that I made as a teenager, you know? And I just like, for me, like, I think about that destructive situation of like, you know, people thinking there's a such thing as white people food and black people food right. or, or like zucchini and squash are not part of black people's. Yeah, they think they're, they're only allowed to eat the bad stuff because right. that's right. our food. But we were a lot active, more active when we were younger, too, though. Right. Yeah, we walked everywhere. There wasn't such thing as Uber. Yeah, Nobody we were outside all day, riding our bikes, going everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's one of the things that can be frustrating at times is like, you know, you talk about food you know, you talk about the idea of constructive and destructive um, food and people just don't see it that way. And their mind is like, this is the food I've always eaten. And they yeah. don't even like, they don't even stop to think about, because people often say to me, like, well, diabetes runs in my family, how blood pressure runs in my family. It's just like, it might run a little bit. You might have some genetic predisposition to it, but more than anything, the way you were, you like we're your culture. to eat, yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally preventable, totally controllable um pr- the prophylactic care you know people they 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 don't even know what that is or, or don't think that way i I've, i still meet people that say they don't drink water or they don't eat vegetables i'm like wow and you know where that comes from right and, right and then like you said then we want to go back to the younger generation and catch them while they're still learning catch them and um i actually just rewrote a program that i'm waiting to hear about a grant for that is called the re-education um mm. of having a healthy lifestyle and is targeted from for young kids eight to 16 where i want to do just that repro i actually wrote you into the grant yet i didn't tell you that. yes okay I'll be there. <laughs> uh, but but it's it's to reprogram them you know using clinically proven methods of you know it takes minimum 28 days to reprogram the brain and you know all of those things and the meditation and yoga all these things that we're about to talk right. to talk about and like things like the coping and having it structured the way you have it and get them while they're young to they've already you know been learning whatever from birth but it's better and then they can help 
teach their family and go back home, teach their family. And then as they grow into adults, then they, you know, are having a healthy lifestyle and passing that, that healthy is a legacy, like anything right. else. And that, cause I see that a lot. Like a lot of millennials saw our parents have health problems and they're like, I want to do something different. Yeah. And so I think a lot of the teenagers, they'll get there. Like I said, it took me till I was 18 to get there. So it's about planting seeds. I say that a lot. Like, yep. you know, not everybody there, they hear you even when they're asking you questions like what is happening like even when you're like blowing up their whole like worldview that's what we're doing when we yeah when we come there as black people and say hey we're gonna cook some vegetables and i remember one time we made that salmon and that quinoa yeah and they loved it but i'm sure they probably never had quinoa in their life but they were reluctant but they loved it we yeah and that's another thing too is that trust factor they have to trust you as their, you know, physician. They have to trust me as the, the instructor that we're going to give them good food. We're going to give them good lessons. We're going to, you know, that you have to trust that somebody's going to lead you into that. Right. Yeah. So that has been, um, you know, it's been a really, it was a really eye-opening experience to do that uh, work with you to see like just how, just the conversations, that, you know, because of course, like, you like I've done I've worked with grants um, in this as well to get funding to to pay you um, and uh, and pay for the food and everything and so you know you write all this stuff for the grants and you and you write surveys and this sort of thing but that's the kind of stuff that you don't even know to even put on a survey you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you're like oh is this like because it's just one of those things like I would have never like I said because I from a young age I was exposed to all types of things like even beyond eating a lot of fast food my, my parents would take us like strawberry picking apple picking yeah like we did too like, yeah right right yeah. all kinds so of activities culture they would expose us to like yeah. actually going to farms and like seeing your food and that's right of and my grandmother always had a garden always yeah Right, because that's the other thing that we did together. We partnered together to work with um the, the biology teacher, Doctor. Yeah, it's Atkins to work on. He was the, all over that boy to reestablish a garden. So yeah, it's just been hard with the pandemic. We kind of got away from, it, but I'm hoping to get back to it. But yeah, it really sparked a lot of conversation about just health behaviors and how we change. Like for me as a black physician, I'm just really committed to the survival of black people. And I really want us to live and to win. And I just feel like so many people do so much that's like counterproductive. Yeah. Nobody's going to help us but us. Right. That's, that's, we got to realize so we, that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that people have to realize that our, you know, there's a lot of things in our culture that's killing us and we have to do something different because right. that's the theme of like, that's kind of been a theme of the month. Like try something different, do something different, try some different foods. Because that's the biggest thing for me, like, as I was, like I said, I was raised on fast food, and I was raised on really salty foods. Um, and as I've gotten, you know, just like I said, over since 18 years old, little by little, I've been trying to, over 20 years, I've been trying to, you know, eat different. And now if I eat a lot of that stuff, it's way too salty. You notice it, yeah, because you, you, you've been reprogrammed, your taste buds have been reprogrammed, those chemical processes have been reprogrammed, those um, neuro neurosynapses and all this stuff yeah. that you and Dr. Bob already know about, all this stuff, <laughs> you really literally, you reprogrammed yourself. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people, that's what they're saying. They're like, you know, this doesn't taste good or this tastes different. I've never tasted anything like this. And it's just like, I know that's the point. Like we want to expose you to something different because what we do and all that salt and all that stuff, you know, is why 
our life expectancy is lower than right. white people, you know? I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. I won't right. say that's the only thing, but, but part of it is is our affinity for for assault. And of course, we know a lot of it comes from slavery, you know? Like right. that was, when you're dealing with trying to make scraps taste good, you're going to oversalt it and you're trying to make it last. And that's what yeah. you think. Curing, preserving when there was no refrigeration and things like that. But we were... That's, we're so far removed from that. And that's the thing. Right. Yeah, we, that was survival. Right. And that's the thing now, like we want to move more toward thriving. And that's yeah. what I like try to try to really like speak life into my patients. Like I want you to thrive. I don't want you just to be doing the bare minimum of living life like at the bare minimum. I want you to feel well. Like I want yeah. you to feel well. Because a lot of times, like I said, when you eat all that salt, eat all that sugar, you lay around because- yeah. Cause you're like paralyzed you know? your energy is low your mood is changed and affected yeah and you you and then you get in that hat that that cycle and you think that's your then that becomes your baseline and you think you're it's normal and it's not no exactly and i can definitely tell a difference like when i go on vacation and i do the de- destructive coping <laughs> right i can definitely tell we'll call like it that all- yeah Right. Like, so like, you know, you feel all bloated and then you feel all sluggish and just all types of stuff. Even uh, I was talking, i made a, a reel earlier and I was talking about how um, even if I eat salad at lunch, usually at lunch, I have to drink tea to stay awake because uh, I wake up early. So by the time lunch comes, I've been up for a long time. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, by yeah. the time like two o'clock comes around, I've been up for, you know, most people been a up lot. for eight. Yeah, a whole day. Yeah. You got a whole day done. Yeah. Right. So you've been up for eight hours. So you eat lunch. And then, so I usually eat like salad or, you know, whatever you make me, I eat something healthy for lunch, but even eating something healthy, I still feel kind of sluggish. So I recently have been doing these juices instead because it kind of push. it's kind of like, so my, my husband does keto sometimes. Um, he'll do, um, he'll do keto for a couple months. And then, um, so he's talked to people talk about like, when you fast, like how you feel, like you feel like, I don't know. It's like this, uh, it's hard to explain. And so I grew up as a Muslim. I talked about that on my last, uh, a couple of episodes ago on my podcast, I grew up in a Muslim, as a Muslim and in, in Islam, you fast in Ramadan. So this year around Ramadan, I was like, you know, Robert, my husband, he had told me, um, about, you know, how he feels when he fasts. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll try it and see how I feel if I do. I can't fast fast. So I was like, well, let me see if I can do these juice fast because it's not a lot of calories in the juice. So I was like, well, let me see if I can do a juice fast while I'm at work because when I come home, I'm going to eat some food, you know? <laughs> so we're going to find a way. We're going to find a right. way. <laughs> so it's kind of it's like how Ramadan is, though. Right? Like Ramadan, you don't eat right, from sun up to sundown, right? Right. And, yeah. and you, then you eat dinner when you get home. So instead of doing that, I would just drink the juices. And I felt amazing. It was yeah. so crazy. Like I because felt, you yeah. have all these things that are, I mean, that are not happening in your gut that translates to, I mean, your cellular health and then your brain function and every everything. So it's it's very it, it makes a difference. And before you know, science was understood. It right. was people would fast, um, especially in these religious circles. Right. They they 
fasted on purpose, starved themselves on purpose because they felt closer to God. Well, that's because you're you had more clear. They had more clarity, and a little bit was it that you starve yourself, then you get a little loopy. <laughs> but right. well, um, it, it like was the clarity that mental right. right in, in your it's ketosis. ketosis. So before like, we knew what was going, that right. was that's the way they explained it. Oh, I'm closer right. to God. You know, right. I hear God, and then you have these saints and prophets and epiphanies right. and stuff and it really that's what it was it was just they right. were fasting you had that mental clarity you were cleaning out your you know you were detoxing and and you know we have these clinic now we clinically know what it is right now we know the words we know it's ketosis we know you're breaking down ketones we know that you know you're breaking down fats and that sort of thing and so um, i've enjoyed i mean like ramadan this year was around april so the past you know few months i've been doing the juice fast on tuesday and thursday when i work all day and then I'll come home and eat salad or eat something healthy. I might even eat like two of the meals um, the, the, of the meal prep um, when I get home because I'll usually be pretty hungry. So it's just one of those things, though, that I, you know, like for me, it's just about trying trying something different. And I found that I was just able to focus a lot better and be mm-hmm. more effective at my job. And I haven't been drinking as much tea in the afternoon. Um, so it's just it's just all about like I feel like a lot of just taking care of your body is is like an experiment like yeah with different things. you have to find what works for you it's, it's not it can't be the same for everybody you have you, you you have the fundamentals and you can start and you know you know if you do keto then you you know what's going to happen if you lower your sugar intake you know what's going to happen but then at some point you have to look at again we're going back to your family history some predispositions right. for certain behaviors or metabolic functions or um, then also environmental, mental, like you do everything. You do the meditation, you do the yoga, all of that matters. And it all have, it all made, it all yoga. You, it, yeah. You, it's a physical and thing, the, right? And the but focus it on happens, the food. Yes. I do a food meditation. So that's one of the parts of my course that um, I haven't talked about just yet. Um, but that's, that's a, I do a few meditations in my course where like basically meditations for busy bodies. So yeah. one of there's a but that's a really good meditation for a busybody is a food meditation because a lot of times like people like me I'm, I like being like overstimulated and <laughs> that's a, I, is that an Aries thing is that uh, a, it is, is that a, a, it is an Aries thing, I'm yeah. type A Aries yeah me too we're just like a little ADD and, and like to be hyperstimulated and it's hard to focus but I found that what happens when you don't do that when you like try to do this distracted eating and that's this happens for anybody whether you're a busybody or not, distracted eating, you don't usually feel as full. Mm-hmm. So you eat a lot more. And so I started doing the food meditation for that reason. I mean, I found, I just enjoy doing it. So I do it. I do it. I, before I stopped eating lunch at work, I would lock myself in an exam room <laughs> and I would do a food meditation in the middle yeah. of the day. Um, that's, but that's so important because there are certain things that we do that we don't know and it kind of turns off that the satiety switch and right. we and we subconsciously do it and it has it is connected to mood and yeah. then when you don't feel full and you're not sated then you keep eating and on top of that and you keep eating the the, the things that you think are going to make you full which are the things that are bad for you right you know because they're feeling or heavy and it just goes on from there right Cause that's the other big thing is just like, there's been studies about, cause the, one of the big things like Robert and I, we don't usually eat dinner together. We'll eat dinner together on the weekends, but during the week I stopped, we stopped eating dinner together because we eat completely different. Um, so it's easier to do cause we don't have children, but so I get meal prep from you. He usually cooks whatever he wants. Cause he eats completely. He doesn't like vegetables as much as I do. 
Um, so he likes to eat more meat. So it's he pasta, will, spaghetti. Yeah. Or even cheese, like I can't do a lot of cheese. Like yesterday, because we, we have a garden. So he, he does do the garden. He does try to eat more vegetables. So he's a doctor, so he knows he's supposed to eat vegetables. So he will try to eat them, but he doesn't have a natural inclination. He doesn't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't love, love, love them like I do. Like I could just, I could be so vegetarian and vegan. Like it doesn't bother me. Um, but he has, um. so he will. So we stopped eating together because we just eat completely different. Um, our palates are different, so he will make himself food. I'll get food from you, but on the weekends, we'll often um, we will order food. Not every day, because maybe a couple times a week, we'll order food. And um, you know, they say that when you eat together, you're going to eat more food. So that's mm-hmm. kind of one of the things for me. Like I, we just eat mostly. We eat separately, um, and we eat because the other piece is he's not usually hungry when I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry like all day. So he's usually, and that's why I can, that's why I've never done keto because I'm like, I couldn't just not eat because I'm I'm, like, I'm always hungry. So that's why the juices help. But he likes to eat closer to like eight or nine o'clock. I prefer to eat dinner like around five or six. So it's just like everything about it is just completely on a different page. So we just eat separately. And that's all about, again, knowing your body, knowing what works for you. Exactly. But I will say that when we when we used to eat together, like both of us weighed a lot more because we just probably just eat more. Like as the studies show, like the more people at your dinner table, the more you're gonna eat. Yeah. And then it's just you two. You got the whole romantic thing going on. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, that how, dopamine is getting got you feeling good, and you gotta put some more on my plate, baby. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm sure. I'm sure the dopamine starts and it's the oxytocin yeah right <laughs> so you need feel good hormones yes <laughs> but that is the thing like so people talk about this idea of food addiction some people will say well food addiction isn't real you can't be addicted to food but it's like you can be addicted to anything because right. it's all just chemistry in your brain right so if you're the dopamine is the reward center yeah. and if if you're if you if you do something and you're and dopamine is releasing your body your body's gonna be like oh do that again it's so Ooh, easy to trigger yeah so yeah, that's what so. people don't realize that with sugar now they all plenty of studies now that connect that right. that show prove it is like a drug and those that yeah. dopamine gets released and again it then it, it doesn't take much it takes you know one two three times especially with right. foods yeah and so that's the biggest thing I, tell, I often tell people to try to figure out how to break those cycles, because, I mean, you know, that's one of the things that things I say about my businesses. That's part of, you know, as I'm trying to see here for black people surviving and thriving, we have to break some of these cycles of our family cultures and different different things like that. But so you so that's so I tell people like people like for a long time, doctors would say, well, don't diet, that sort of thing. But. What I now say is that it's okay to diet, but you should only do diets where you can learn something from them. Yeah. So like keto, if you do keto, you can learn like what it's like to eat less carbs Mm -hmm. because it's not sustainable to never eat carbs because after a while you don't feel well because like Robert was training for the uh, flying pig marathon this year. So he went a couple months doing a keto, but after a while it's hard to run. Yeah, it's hard to run with no carbs, so he had to bring them back in. So it's not sustainable to do a lot of that stuff ever, but it does teach you. Like every time he does keto, he learns something else that's sustainable for low carb. Yeah, like the first time it was like no sugar in his coffee. He's been doing that for years now. Um, so I tell people now, like you know, try Weight Watchers or try, um, try keto or try. I do the Mediterranean diet is what I do because that has the most evidence for like 
living longer and being and sustainable. That's that's closer to for me the Mediterranean diet. I use we talk about that a lot too. Yeah. Is the closest thing to just having a healthy lifestyle, and you don't have right. to think about it as a diet because it's so balanced. Right. Yeah. So that's what I try to do is the Mediterranean. And the stuff that we like is is a lot of yeah, stuff that we like anyway. I love yeah. everything about the Mediterranean. The flavors and, and textures right. and all that. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why I tell people like, you know, the if you're going to do a diet, it should really be just something is because that's even like Tabitha Brown. So I love Tabitha Brown. I don't know if I talk, I don't know if I've ever really talked about her on the podcast, but I love everything that she does. And I listened to her book um, when, it, when it first came out. And that's one of the things she said in the book was that she became vegan because she was feeling terrible. Yeah. And she said, let me try something different. And she went vegan for a month and she felt amazing. Yeah. And she never went back. And she said her husband went back because he was like, yeah, I'm going to go back and eat this chicken, you know, <laughs> but, but she went vegan literally just for, on an experiment. So I tell people to experiment, you know, with different things. Um, but cause I don't like when people do things like, you know, like if they do something like, um, apple cider vinegar fast or oh, cabbage, yeah. all that yeah. kind of stuff is like, no, like, especially when you don't know what you're doing and how to do it. Right. You just right. see a TikTok and you start doing something and, and you, you're not, putting the, the right things together there's you know certain things have to work together and synergistically right. to to work right to be effective and then and then they're just doing something and then they think oh it didn't work and then y'all depressed and you know you right. think oh it doesn't you know and all of that happens all of that affects your your physiology right and that's and it's all like for me it's like I'm, I'm trying to tell, talk to people about eating you know constructively to help their body when it, in, a, in a context of just in general, because we have general guidelines of how you're supposed to eat, like the Mediterranean diet is a, is a general guideline. Um, exercise in 30 minutes a day is a general guideline. But then there are some people who, um, who you're talking to about it from a disease standpoint. So you're talking right. to people who have high blood pressure, um, diabetes. So for people with diabetes, they should avoid the keto diet because it's right. fast. Um, and people, so for them, it's more just trying to figure out how to do low carb or Mediterranean diet or that kind of thing. And then for the, um, for the, um, for high blood pressure, it's um, just worrying about salt. Yeah. Um, but the other big thing we, that we treat is obesity. So we did a, uh, I did a series with I did an episode with one of my uh, colleagues who is, you know, wanted to go into obesity medicine. And one of the big things, like, you know, we talk about this, uh, we want to like have some acceptance of our bodies, right? You know, it's not about looking a certain way because I'm never going to look like I did in high school. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just one of those things, it's part of getting older. That's, that's something that, um, the last episode that Tiffany and I did, we talked about, you know, you're going to get older and you're going to look yeah. None and, of our and parents being skinny and thin does not equate to being healthy. Right. People it's are just one of still things thinking that like way. Bodies, it's just like our bodies are going to change regardless. Whether yeah. like whether or not you stay the same size as you were in high school, yeah. you're going to look different. You know? <laughs> so, you're supposed to. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I think that a lot of times people will be like, oh, well, I want to get that body back or I want to look like that again. And that's not realistic. So I don't talk to people as much about that kind of thing, like trying to get to a certain size or anything like that. Um, we try to set like small goals. Like if people are overweight or obese, we try to set like goals like okay well let's try to lose 15 pounds because you're because your joints will like you'll feel more functional yeah your joints will thank you that sort of thing so 
I talk about it from a lot of standpoints. So I often will talk to people about, you know, just different things they could they could try. But then there's also medications like, you know, we try like um, Trulicity and Ozempic are the big thing right now. Metformin has been around forever. And then sometimes I treat people for like binge eating, like Wellbutrin, Naltrexone. So if you have a good doctor who is well versed in in trying to because that's the biggest thing for me, I feel like in America, there's a there's a lot of things about our culture. So if people do have food addiction, we like any kind of addiction, really. Whether it's food, heroin, sex. Then you're stigmatized. Right, you're stigmatized. And they blow you moral, off. It's a moral failing. And and then it makes it gives people a lot of shame because then they're afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Because, like I said, we have medicines, and I use them on a regular basis, and I help people lose weight if they're if that's what they're interested in doing. And you, I could... I can tell you there's a lot of people who are like, I want to lose weight, but I, I want to do it on my own. Just like, well, how's that been working out for you? Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and, and the, the, again, like you said, you got to have a physician that cares. Like my mom right now, she's obese. And um, she kept saying, you know, this swelling is, you know, persistent. I got this pain, this hurts. And the doctor just kept saying, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. Well, finally, somebody listened to her. And now she's about, she's got to have a valve, heart valve replacement because mm-hmm. it wasn't just being overweight. It was right. a real thing. Um, right. And that doctor just kept blowing her off. Well, you just, that's just because you're fat. Just because you're fat. You need to lose right. weight. And that's one of the big things that a lot of people who are overweight will say, like, doctors have to do better about not blaming everything on people's weight. Um, I try not to do that at all. Like I was literally talking to one of my colleagues about that yesterday. One of my colleagues was like, well, I try not to throw the kitchen sink at people. And I was like, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I want to throw the kitchen sink at people if I feel like they need it, you know? Uh, Obviously we try not to be wasteful, but at the same time, we try, I try not to blow people off. I think that's part of just being a black doctor. Right. Often people do blow us off. You've been Um, in that space yourself. You understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a different existence in general but I know that a lot of doctors we need to so I, I honestly don't even I the way I approach weight and obesity is just different anyway because I don't bring it up unless people want to talk about it because I actually published a study about smoking like 10 years ago when I was in residency that people you know we tell people to quit smoking it's it's, it's another destructive coping mechanism there's all there's all kinds of there's there's food can be one and smoking and alcohol and all these sort of things so we talk to everybody about this um, but, you know, part is, is this idea of motivation for interviewing. You're trying to see if people are are ready to change. Yeah, you're um, not going to do it if you're not ready. Right. So you're <laughs> not going to stick to it. Right. So I try to like, I try to like use all that stuff that we learn in a different way than most physicians do. And if people don't, if people are, if they don't want to talk about their weight, then I don't talk about it, you know? And of course, now there's a trend that people don't even, they don't want to be weighed when they go to the to the um, hospital or when they go to the, to the doctor. But I feel kind of ambivalent about that because there's, there's other reasons why we might need to know your weight. We might need right. to know it. And dosing, medication dosing, yeah. yeah That's the only that. time I get weighed though. I, I got rid of a scale years ago because that was a lot of my stress. Wake yeah. up, get on the scale, and then all day long I'm stressing about what I'm putting in, what I'm taking out. It was it was right. a really really heavy source of stress. That was the best one of the best things I could have ever done was just uh, get rid of that scale. And so right. now the only time I get weight is when I go to the doctor, and and it's, right. it's it makes such a difference. Um, right. And you're right, it's different than you know you need to you kind of you still need to know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's I don't know. There's just a lot of conversations right now that are happening. 
And of course, like, it's nice to have different conversations with people trying to figure out like, how should we approach this? Like what, what works, what doesn't work? So I, I, I appreciate the conversation um, and the debate and the discussion because, yeah. you know, there's a lot more discussion and debate happening in the past 10 years than there's, than there's really has ever happened. So, um, and like I said, and there's a lot more medicines available and there's a lot more treatment options and just, you know, we're getting better at treating obesity because I feel like a lot of times, a lot of people who, a lot of people who are overweight, they would like to lose weight because it is hard on their joints. Um, and so, you know, as doctors, if we can figure out how to help them, then we can help them be more functional. But like I said, it's in America, people just feel a lot of shame about their addictions and yeah. they don't always ask for help. And even when you try to offer them help, they're like, no, I don't need that. I'm gonna try to do it on my own. And you're like, I'm just trying to help you. What? Yeah. Yeah, you got to be seen as an ally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's talk about um, about the meditation and about um, and about um, let's talk about just like I want to talk now about like the constructive coping of of. So we talked a lot about destructive coping, food and addiction, all that stuff. So now I want to move more. Now I want to move more into constructive coping as far as like, you know, why you like to cook and your favorite things to cook and uh, why, you know, why are those your favorite things to cook? And, and just like what about cooking and chefing gives you joy? Mm-hmm. So the the first part of it is, is, um, I almost don't even know how to do anything else, right? When I think about <laughs> this, I mean, of course, there's a lot of things I've done and can do, but it's like, you know, it's the one thing I'm good at, but I've always, no, it's, it's always it come like, natural. Like, right? Yeah, it's natural. Like, it, and it's it is like a talent. Nature. It is a gift. Like anybody can learn to cook, but a lot of people don't even like to do it. And I love to do it. I love helping people. I love making people feel better. And then um, this whole, at least learning how, so the focus of my meal preps usually it started out with basically introducing people to ways to do meal preps and get out of that traditional meal prep of being the same thing every day. So mm-hmm. that's why I do it the way I do it. It's not set menus. That way you can still enjoy eating because if you don't enjoy eating, you're not going to eat or you're going to fall off of that, that, that disciplined diet. So you can still eat healthy and still enjoy it and still get a gourmet style you know, meal for me. That way you don't feel like you're dieting. You're you're not focused on that so much. And then introducing flavors. Like I said, anything I do, I'm always adding um, some kind of healthy component to it. If it's not completely healthy focused, some kind of healthy component. So even like if I do salads, then I'm going to make sure I'm putting some dried fruit in there so that you can get that little sugar boost as natural sugars, right? And um, maybe some, uh, I'm really, really big on getting people to really learn how to incorporate almonds because almonds give you energy um, and Mm -hmm. things like that. So these are things that you can learn to do healthy snacking and Mm -hmm. it's therapeutic just to, you know, just to feel good and know that I'm, you know, helping somebody. And then you talked about earlier about how certain cooking and doing certain things is therapeutic. And it is, is that like, for me is making bread from scratch because, Mm -hmm. Um, the physical, the motor functions and the movements, um, that all is therapeutic. And, uh, and I'm also creating something from scratch. It feels good, right? To see that end product. Um, right. You get stuff out of your garden. You get to see what you grow and turn it into something. It feels good. It's creating those good feelings. You're feeling productive. You're, you know what you're putting into your body. 
Um, so all of these things, those are, it's not just literally cooking. It's all of those things, a part of it, the, the how smell and your, the foods, they're connected to memory. So hopefully we create these healthy habits, starting with younger kids where they're having, they're eating these healthy foods that we're connecting it to their memory of having a, having it in a fun environment, a fun experience. That way, when they grow um, older, then they're going to love eating that saute zucchini because they remembered that fun day and that time and again that 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 connection to memory and that's the healthy way (laughs) to use food um, as a coping mechanism as opposed to i'm gonna um eat this gallon of ice cream because i remember you know doing this and then that's that's totally not the way to do it you get that immediate gratification and satisfaction but you know you got these long-term you know, ill effects after that. So those are the ways, but that's like the main, the main thing I always talk to people about is to me, the therapeutic thing for me is that making the bread from scratch, the kneading, the the, the repetition of it just, and then um, having some um, appropriate music in the background. It just helps me zone out. I can yeah. focus. I can think, I actually do better with music in the background and I can focus and stay on track and, you know, keep a timeline and all that. Then if it's just silence. That's that Aries ADD. I'm the same way. (laughs) Even when I meditate, even when I do like yoga meditation, I like to do it with music because it helps me focus on the meditation or else my mind is going to wander. Right. But if I sit and I breathe with music, then I'm going to focus on the words of the song. So that's why I tell people, you know, I teach people like, because a lot of times when it comes to meditation, often people haven't been exposed to like med- ways to meditate for people who have a little bit of ADD, you know? Meditation is so, so hard for me. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So you, it's, so that's why we kind of call it more mindfulness. It's mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. You're just trying to be more aware and, and you know, because people have this idea and it's kind of like stereotype of how it's supposed to be, but there's different ways. And that's what I learned in the course was that there's different ways to meditate and there's different mindfulness activities. And most of the ones I had ever tried we're not ones that were good for people like who have a little ADD like I do. Yeah. You know? so that's why I try to teach in my course. Like there's, um, there's a lot of other ways. And that's why I like the food meditation one because it's, it's a pretty simple one and it's very, you know, it's very active. It's a very active yes. meditation. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things um, that you said, as far as um, just that exposure to just having like, you know, the constructive, um, so there's there, there's the act of cooking that can be constructive coping, but then the act of eating um, healthy food is constructive coping. And but people don't realize that actually. So, you know, we're talking about we talked before about dopamine and, you know, oxytocin, that sort of thing, the brain chemicals. We have all these brain chemicals and people have no idea. Um, but since we're since we've been talking about the food science and the chemicals, a lot of people don't realize that that's one of the ways that you can help your mood yes. because it's. This, what we do with a lot of medications for depression and anxiety, we, we try to boost serotonin and norepinephrine yes. levels. And if you eat healthy foods, they naturally boost them, mostly because of gut flora. Yeah. So, you wanna, so like they help, your, help you have healthy um, gut bacteria, which helps release, you know, a lot of serotonin. And yeah. your, your brain, your brain belly. Um, yeah. And, and the, 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 a lot of those foods that boost your serotonin levels are naturally in a Mediterranean diet, like your right. um, your 
fish that are high in omega-3s and you know mm -hmm. eggs and nuts and seeds and things like that so again that's just like you don't even have to think about it you don't have to think about a diet and you're eating just a really good balanced diet and you're getting this benefit on the on the chemical brain chemical and gut chemical side of things and then that good bacteria that gut um is is so important and and then a lot of um, you know, you people, one thing that I tell people, they, they always think they drink enough water. You're like never drinking enough water. Like I, 23 years in the VA, it had nothing to do with food, but you know, people were talking about there's, there's, you're almost never going to have a dilutional effect. You can keep drinking water, keep your body, your gut needs a certain amount of water just to function. And it needs a lot more than you think. And then the adequate rest. So it's all those things, you know, and then, then, you know, when you get happy about cooking, you get happy about eating and some of that ASMR stuff, you know, that right. that really kind of stimulates your brain and, and just creates those pathways and creates those habits and that reprogramming that you have a good relationship with food. And then it right. is medicine. We, we you're, you know, eat to live and not live to eat. Exactly. And that's what I, that's pretty much what my whole job is every day is trying to talk to people about, about that idea. But, and that's what's hard. A lot of times if people aren't already doing that, they don't, they don't, they don't feel it. Like I have a lot of passion for it because I feel it every day. Like one of my patients recently was like, you know, people never really believe how old I am. They're like, she was like, how, she was like, how do you, how do you look so young? And I was like, I eat Mediterranean diet. I get that uh, a lot. <laughs> I, I walk 10 miles a week. Uh, I, I meditate, I do yoga. I'm like, I do all the things I tell you all to do. <laughs> right. You too can look like that. <laughs> and not even, you know, like, you know, you don't want to focus so much on appearance. I just feel good. And people yeah. can tell that I feel good. Like I walk into my office every day, laughing, joking, feeling great. You know what I mean? And, yeah. people, can, and people can feel that energy. Your you vibe, know? your energy, those pheromones, all of that. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, it's just one of those things that you know sometimes I, I forget I forget how young you are I, I keep I always forget how young you are <laughs> like <laughs> well uh, people often think I'm in my 20s though people think people often will be like congratulations like I just graduated medical school right, right. I've been out of medical school for over a decade yeah so I'm almost you know they're still expecting that doctors should be the you're not knowledgeable unless you're older right. you know all of that too no, I know that we get that a lot too, but it's just one of those things. So I know that I am young and I look young, you know, appropriately young, but people often think I'm a decade young, like people yeah. often think I'm in my 20s and not in my, like almost about to be 40. So it's just one of those things that, um, you know, but it was, it was somebody who was younger than me, who, it was somebody who was younger than me who said, who asked me the question. Yeah. She thought, she thought that I was younger than her and I was a lot I was you know some years older than her and she was like oh what is you doing like yeah right like, oh no baby what is you doing yeah <laughs> so she was just like and hopefully that triggered her to think like I need to get on my shit you know I need to yeah. really really I'm, I need to get on it I want to I don't want to be feeling and looking bad and because that's the big thing like am I I was telling my dad this because the conversation we we're actually having a lot of people nowadays a lot of people in their 30s want to go get liposuction and I tell them, like, you know, you can go do that. You can go waste your money because it's not sustainable. If you don't eat food, right. you don't retrain your brain to eat healthy and do the things, it's not, it's not going to. Yeah, it's, it's going to feel, feel right back in. Right. And so, and then, I mean, it's thousands of dollars and that sort of thing. And, and 
people don't even talk about like, you know, it's one of those things. I feel like a lot of the plastic surgeons, of course, they're going to try to take your money and they're going to say like, oh yeah, give me your money. We can do lipo. It'll be fast. You'll be, you know, but fast cells very, have memory, right? <laughs> but it's, it's very painful. Um, so I've had, you know, a lot of, you know, I won't say a lot, but I've had quite a few patients who've had it and they talk about how painful it is. And I've had people have complications, mm. uh, almost die, you know, uh, infections. So of course, it's not worth of, it. Yeah. So it's just one of those things like it's expensive. It's have, it has the potential to have complications. And it, a lot of times the fat comes back because I see them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's not I even long. It's not long-term. It's right. I did yeah. your life for pre-op, you know? And so a lot of times people will just go and do it. If they want to do it and they want to spend their money, that's fine. But a lot of times after they spend the money and the, and the, and the weight comes back on, it's like, okay, so you ready? You ready to listen? Yeah. yeah. Like, just, man, I should have just started exercising. I should have just started eating yeah. right. Or, or right. God forbid they just, have long-term, you know, right. bad effects from it. I mean, so far, nobody hasn't been caught. Like the complications have been caught. So that's been good. Fortunately for, I, I don't have that many patients mm-hmm. who can afford it. You know, I work with a lot of uh, people who are, you know, trying to make it. Um, so I don't know. I have that many patients who've had it, but the ones who have, um, you know, it's just been kind of, unfortunately, the few people I've had have definitely had complications. So I'm yeah. sure that the complications are that's too more many, frequent, more frequent than people really report. Yeah. Did they, they tell people? So that's not, thing. yeah, there's a lot of red tape and a lot of, and I, I don't know for me, and that's what I say. I just feel like a lot of it just feels kind of scammy. Like yeah. they don't tell you the negative effects. They tell you all the good and they're like, you know, um, it sounds too good to be true, right? Things that sound then it is right. And so that's kind of what I'll try to tell people, like, you know, if you want to, if you go into it and you, and you really understand everything and the fact and all that sort of thing, it's whatever. But I feel like a lot of times people, you know, they want a quick fix and I'm like, it's not a quick, it's, there is no such thing as a quick fix, you know? And so I try and I do that a lot. I do a lot of just trying to manage expectations about everything because, I specialize in taking care of older adults, which basically that means I specialize in, ta- in taking care of aging. Yeah. And that's what I tell people. Like, I want you to, I'll, so that's one of the biggest things that motivates me is I get to see people in their eighties and nineties and I get to see what it takes to get there. Yeah. And I tell people like, you have to earn it. Like people take, people try to take it for granted. Like, you know, when my mom lived to be however old. Um, and so I'm probably gonna live to be, you know, 80 or whatever. And it's like, no, you have to earn it. Yeah. You have to earn a good functional 80. You have to earn it. And it's going to happen with or without you. It's going to happen. <laughs> right. And it's yes. like, and, but you want to be able to function. You want to be able to get to, you want to be able to get to 80, 90 years old and be functional, but you have to earn it. And that's what, yeah. that's what you really learn about everything over your thirties and your thirties. You have to earn everything. You have to earn, you know, your living to pay your bills, but you have to also earn your health. Yeah. And when you meet older people, you'll meet somebody like you say, you meet two different people that are 65 and you know when somebody is an old 65 or they're young 65 and you can tell the difference. They have energy. They're living life. They're enjoying life. And when you talk to them, you learn from them. They stayed active. They were healthy. They did all the right things. And they did. They started young. They start, you know, it was a lifetime process. And and those old ones, they're the ones that, you know, they drink, they smoke, they Right. You know, we're sedentary. They indulge too much. You know, the bad diet, and now they oh my feet hurt, oh my back hurt, oh you know my beat. Yeah, they're in wheelchairs. I a got sugar, them, and a lot and of them. You can in tell their, 
a lot of them can end up in wheelchairs and that sort of thing. And so that's the thing for me, like that's that's why I like being a geriatrician because it's inspiring. Yeah. Um, it inspires you eat either constructively, uh, either if you see the constructive or the destructive coping, yeah. how it went, it's inspiring to stay on track, to stay, to, it helps me stay on track. Yeah. But the other thing is older adults are just hilarious. They are, they are. You know, those, those inhibitions, they just go away with every year. <laughs> no, they're just so funny. And I'm like, I grew up in a, in a like my dad is hilarious. And so like, <laughs> and so like my sisters and I are very funny. Like people, when we just talk about nothing, we just have people crack up all the time. And so my older adults appreciate that humor. You know, like some of them, some of them don't, obviously. But I don't know. It's just something about that generation where they're just like, like I said, my dad is that way. A lot of my patients are about the same age as my dad or my grandmother, um, how she would have been. So it's just one of those things like, you know, and it's part of like, we get into that. And that's part of what you understand about getting older too. The key to, one of the keys to like aging well is having a good sense of humor yeah and letting a whole lot of stuff roll off your shoulders yeah off your back yeah yeah because if you sit around stressing like you were saying like you were stressing about the scale and all that sort of stuff you'd be like you gotta let that go you gotta let Uh, you gotta let that old weight go you gotta let that scale go and so for me i I actually do weigh myself on a regular basis but i just i'll say about a lot of things and that's one of the things i do um with my patients is i i say things in a funny way and they know I'm being funny and they laugh and, and but it's being I'm being honest though like yes. I say different things like I'll be like it's just feedback what <laughs> you might you might not want to smoke those cigarettes it's just feedback and yeah, they start yeah. laughing because they know I'm being funny like, yeah being, like it's know? not a re- it's not a request <laughs> so but so that's how I view the scale now I'll be like it's just feedback so I just I won't I won't do it every day but I will get on it from time to time just for some feedback. Yeah. I, I don't put any emotions into it. I just right. Like, huh, huh, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, that's, that's what, it's a number. It's a number. Right. And so you that's know. the biggest thing. But when you're finding that you are obsessing over things and that is, that is when it's time to step away from it. You yeah. Know? And so, but that's the biggest thing about a lot of older adults. They, they have learned that they learn like, you know, you got to let change is inevitable. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, you gotta, they try to laugh about you know stuff like you know they try to make jokes of it, make it funny, whatever. So, but I the just, good thing about what you're doing is that you know you need some help. You need a way to get through it, and um, right. that, especially in the black community, we have been taught some horrible, if any at all, coping mechanisms. Right. And so, just having a, a a a structured guide like your 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 program now, I mean, it it can make it can, it's going to save some lives. It's going to keep people alive. You, we need coping mechanisms and yes. positive coping mechanisms, how right. just, or just to recognize that we're not coping sometimes, right? Yeah, or to rec- or to recognize that sometimes our coping is destructive. Like it's it's and it's when I, when I talk about destructive coping, I talk about it shortening our lifespan, right. you know, or or making you not functional because there, are, like I said, there are going to be some people who make it to you know 70, 80 years old, but they're not they're not functioning. Quality they, of life is not there. Right, yeah, the quality yeah. of life is not. It's not, and and you know, there's we have like you know, there's not. You don't want to be like ableist. You don't want to be like ableist. Yeah. That's sort of thing about people being in wheelchairs or people needing assistance devices. That's not the point. The point of it is that there's a lot of people who say, if I would have known that I was going to live this long, mm-hmm. I would. Because I know, like, because my my great aunt lived to be a hundred, hundred and one, almost hundred and two, and she stopped walking probably around ninety. 
And had she known she was going to live for 10 more years, she probably would have kept walking. Taking a little bit. Yeah, done a little bit more. It's not about like being able. It's like people, you know, if people need to be in the wheelchairs or anything like that to function, then that's fine. But hindsight is 2020, isn't it? Yeah. But I just feel like so many people retire at 65 and then they rot. Yeah, they they just wait, die. wait to die. Yeah, yeah. They they just ride away. They just watch TV all day, and then they then they lose function little by little by little. That's what people make fun of, like the the people that older people that volunteer, like a Walmart greeter, or whatever. Yeah. Those people, those are the people that know they need to stay active. They need to stay yeah. connected to people. It's not. I mean, yeah, that they, they they're they're doing what what is going to help keep them, you know, vibrant. Right. And if it is just to, you know, be a Walmart reader or a volunteer to do something, right. they, they understand that that's, that's something, the next step. Right. To have a purpose. So that's one of my favorite books is a book about um, like an anthropology book. Cause I love anthropology and I'm sure you do too. <laughs> but so the study of people and cultures are just very interesting. And so one of, so the book is called the blue zones and it was a journalist. He went to like five different um, places where people live to be over 100. And they all had like common things. And that's part of why I don't eat a lot of meat. So like um, he went to, it was Greece. It was a small, it was like a small place in Greece, a small place in Italy, um, Okinawa, Japan, which was kind of surprising because they had the atomic bombs there. And then it was a small place in Costa Rica. And there was, it was actually one in, in, um, in um, California, in Loma, okay. in California. So I tell people that a lot. Like I try to live a California lifestyle in Ohio because you can do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's counterculture. It's going against our culture in Ohio. But yeah. People out West live like that. It was a trend. People were on, they, you know, the California diet, you know, right. and Alice Waters and what she was doing with, you know, the, her, you know, getting people with it. it wasn't even, you didn't even look at it as plant-based. It was just, you know, right. people just say, you know, you, you know, California, you know, with right. rabbit food well, and stuff, but right. they were on to well, something. They know. Yeah. Sure. And so they, but so there was, it was the food, it was staying active, it was having a purpose, it was staying connected with people, with family and friends, it was having a, um, and, and that one of the things that was, it was people having a good sense of humor. And the other, and um, the other piece though was uh, people who were religious. So there's either people who are religious who will say, it's out of my control, it's mm-hmm. in God's hands. So that's a way that people can like let go of some of that control and obsessing over, you know, trying to control everything. But there's either that uh, piece for people or or the other way that people are just funny and they're like, what are you going to do? You know, right? <laughs> real, you're just a realist, right? Right. But either way, either way, it helps people live longer, you know, so there's, there's actually studies of, you know, like it was a great he, he, he cited a lot of different studies in there about, about just like plant-based diets and vegan and um, just all types of stuff. He talked about like activity. And so it was, it was, it's one of my favorite books. I mean, it's one of the things that really uh, helped me do a lot more plant-based and try to stay active. And the biggest thing, what it, what it talked about was like people like, cause I used to do a lot of running um, and around the time when I read that book, I was like, I'm gonna start walking more because it's more sustainable. And that's the biggest thing you learn is like, I, what I've seen a lot of older adults do is like by the time they get to 50 or 60, a lot of them have burned out their knees from running. Yeah. Running yeah. is hard on your body. Yeah. yeah. So it was just kind of like, you just, you just do like little things, like take the stairs, you know, yeah. like little, little things. Um, Park little, further away in the girl in the parking lot, you know, every little bit helps. Yeah. All that little stuff adds up. And so that's what you, that's what I've learned a lot just in my career and from reading that book and just from how I feel, because that's all the stuff that I, I already did anyway. And it just kind of helped motivate me to understand that 
And that, but that's the biggest thing to me. I'm just like, you know, it's just, you have to earn it. That's what I tell a lot of my older adults now. Like even people in their sixties who are just like, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to be a functional 80 because it's coming, yeah. you know, it's a lot yeah. closer to, to them than, than they, that, you know, life comes at you fast. <laughs> the older so you think, get, the faster it goes, right. that's for sure. Right. So they're trying to figure out, you know, how to maintain function and that sort of thing. So it's just, um, it's just a lot of conversations that I have all day because I really am invested in, I just really love, I love seeing people win, you know, yeah. like I love seeing people win. I said um, that needs I, to be a t-shirt because that's what we say at City Link all the time. We're like, we want to see you win. We, that, I was like, that needs to be a t-shirt. We want to see you win. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that people don't realize is part of the key to winning is having coaching. Like, and I, that's what we do as family doctors. We're like health coaches. Yeah. So I'm trying to coach you on like how to be better. Um, and the other, the other piece is just trying different stuff, you know, yeah. trying, trying something new because that's if, you know, I, I grew up, uh, I wasn't the best at it. But I played basketball when I was like in middle school. And, you know, you think about any kind of team, you have, you have a coach who's trying to tell you how to be better, um, how to tweak this different thing, how to, how to be different. And so that's kind of really how you should experiment with life in that way. Mm-hmm. And part of my biggest thing that I have to do with people is people just have so much shame and so much guilt. Yeah. About yesterday. And so I recently told a patient, like, you know, if, if you're going to be in a game of life and you're trying to win, you can't think about yesterday. Yeah, it's that gone. You can only, it's done. Right. Learn, only, learn from it and right. then keep going. Yeah. Exactly. You can only think of it in a context of learning from it. But if you think about yesterday's game all day, every day, you're not thinking about today's game. Right. You know, <laughs> or tomorrow's right. game, right. you know? So that's the biggest and Yeah. Thing. No defeatist attitude, that power of positive thinking, surround yourself with you know high vibrational you know good energy people with coaches people who are good at coaching you on how to win because that was one of the biggest things that Tiffany was talking about we talked about just surrounding yourself with a tribe of you know people who want to see you win but yes I didn't really talk as much about the coaching aspect of it but that's what it is like you got to find the people who, who want to coach you who want to give you feedback for you to be better yeah because there's going to be people who are hard on you um you know and it might feel like they're kicking you while you're down but a lot of those people actually want to see you win and they're trying yeah. to give you feedback, you know? And they, they know you can do it and they've been there. So they know you can get through this or past that. Right. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. A lot of people have a hard time accepting that feedback. Um, but if you can, if you can get to the place where you can view it as feedback, mm-hmm. and that's why I was joking about my major, like, it's just feedback. Yeah. 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 Just look at it. Look, look at it a little differently. That's right. right. Yeah. And, I, and I tell them things like, too, like, I'm just trying to help you live, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There was this, there was this nurse at the VA and he was, he was kind of quirky, but he was such a good RN. And, you know, we would say, Hey, Peter, you know, he was like, I don't have time. I'm saving lives. And he was so serious. He was always so serious and he meant it, but he was a great, he was a great nurse, but he was like, I don't don't have time for you. I'm saving lives. (laughs) That's the thing. Like I, I take this so seriously because I just really, you know, I want to see people, I know that people can do it if they if they can teach themselves, like, I think a lot of people don't do it because they're not confident. Yeah. They don't have the confidence. Or they don't have the, they just don't know, right? Yeah. The education piece of it, yeah, is important. The education piece, the cultural piece, because it's an uphill battle, you know? Um, But if you can coach your brain and you can have people around you to help coach you to be better and take those little baby steps every day. It becomes a habit. It becomes a habit. It becomes a lifestyle. Cause that's the whole thing a lot of people realize like LeBron James didn't become LeBron James overnight like it yeah. took 
ears for all of that. Yeah, he, he was born with certain, you know, innate things, but he had to work and practice and right. push himself and not listen to people that says you can't do it or shouldn't do it. Right. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people don't really understand about life. It's, it's pretty much the same way. It's like you have to earn you have to earn everything and your health is one of those big things that you have to earn that a lot of people don't realize. And the big thing for me too, as a family doctor is like, you know, there's a lot of people who think that they do all the things so they don't ever need to go to the doctor, but you still have to go to the doctor because no, you can do everything perfect. Yeah. And your body can still fall apart. Drop dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so you definitely you'll need those checks. To, yeah. You definitely still need to get checked and make sure your cholesterol is okay and make sure yeah. your thyroid you know, all the cancer screenings, because that's one of the biggest things for me. Like I do all the healthy stuff, but then I got cancer, yeah. you know? And so, you know, well, you know, I, like with, like with every time you would talk about something, I'm like, how did I not know this? I would always found out about everything with, with your cancers and everything. Like after you're like, oh yeah, you know, I had cancer, right? Like, I found out about everything that was wrong with everything was by accident. Like the, yeah. the leukemia and the, the, uh, the, the, this thyroid thing, everything was right. by accident. Something else happened that led to us discovering what, right. you know, something else. So you can't, like you said, you can't, I, I felt fine. I didn't feel any right. thyroid issues. I didn't feel any, you know, the, the things with leukemia that I didn't realize was, you know, fatigue and stuff. Cause I'm, I'm busy all the time. So I just thought right. I'm just tired for a reason, you know, right. but it, we found out by accident for everything yeah. that happened so that's when i was like you regular appointments checklist yeah. you know check because you you can't feel fine and not be right. fine right and that's the whole thing it's like our bodies our bodies are just very interesting you know you have to take care of them you have to get examined and get checked over and all that sort of stuff and and that's the biggest thing for me i just want to see people live and thrive and win and that's what my whole business and my and just my whole being is about. Like, you know, you were talking earlier about how it's hard for you to, um, it's hard for you to like, you know, it's your, it's kind of like second nature to, to cook and you love doing it. And today I, on my walk, somebody, I saw um, there was somebody on a bike that was bleeding and I yelled at him like, you're bleeding, sir. And I, and I felt bad because I, I usually, I sometimes have tissues with me in my, in my little fanny pack, but I didn't have any tissues and he was just bleeding. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm a doctor, but. And he's riding probably like, it's okay. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> but, but for me, I was like, oh, but you, you know, got to fix them. You like, want to fix them, right? Right. I have such an inclination to I mean, not even more fixed, but just heal people. Like, heal them, yeah. Them. Just, that you I, noticed it. You even right, noticed I it. I noticed it, and I wish I had some, some Kleenex to wipe it off with. You know what I mean? Like, he was bleeding. So it's just for me, like, I really care a lot about people winning and people being better and people succeeding. And I care about that for myself, too, obviously. You know, like, I want to be a winner, and I want everybody to win, you know? Yes! <laughs> Because she wants you to win. <laughs> so that's, I mean, yeah, that's why I wrote, wrote my book and that's why I wrote my course because I, I really do know that a lot of people could get that winning mindset if they just really believe in themselves and they were, and they have more people around them. Yes. Sometimes people will believe in you more than you'll believe in them. Yes, been so, there. Yes. So I, because I actually, that definitely happened to me with my older sisters. I, I, in middle school, I was having a hard time. And, I wasn't in a confident place and I wasn't really believing in myself and I was struggling with my sisters and my, and, you know, and my dad was just like, you know, they believed in me. And so that's what I try to do for other people. I try to believe that they can win and believe that they can be better and believe that they can earn, you know, a functional, good, healthy yeah. life uh, often more than, than they do. And eventually, you know, you plant seeds and people will get there, but 
but I try to I try to be that I try to be that person that people yeah. are meant to be. You, know? you and it's always you um I still struggle with that because then I listen to people like introduce me or they're like typing up my bio or before I start a class, they'll do an introduction and to hear other people talk about you. And mm-hmm. it's like, I didn't even think about that. I don't even see myself that way. It is 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 necessary. Right. Yep. And that's why I'm happy to have you as part of my tribe. Yes. <laughs> because yeah, you're you're a phenomenal woman. Um, and you know, I just I just love you and I just I mean for two years you've been you've been chefing for me I love you too (laughs) like I said I just how many I don't know any other 30 something year old black doctors that and then most of them uh, most most young doctors they go into they want to go into a lucrative profession you don't have a lot of young people that want to take care of older people you know I, I at all my time at the VA I never met any young doctors especially young black female doctors that had any interest in geriatrics or you know I mean so that just shows your nature I mean just yeah. you, you 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 that's you that's who you are right yeah I love I love vulnerable populations and I feel like we don't get the love and the respect that we deserve and I try to treat you know people like that like how they deserve to be treated you know and that's why I like doing the work that I do because you know my colleagues of course they my colleagues are great and they treat people very well um, but I know that that's for me the biggest the that's why we're all there like we actually are all underpaid and underfunded and all that kind of thing but that's what our residency that's why that's one of the reasons I moved to Cincinnati is that our residency um, specializes in teaching you how to work with vulnerable populations underserved medicine and so and, and actually geriatrics so uh, I'm really happy that I trained here because it, you know, I was just like, when I saw the description of this residency, I was like, do they know me? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'm just happy to, to be in spaces where people respect and value and appreciate that um, because it's not a lot of spaces that even exist like that for doctors, yeah. you know. I didn't know it was a thing until you were telling me that, you know, that's your special, one of your specialties. I didn't ever think, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you might see like these little special subspecialties like a rheumatology clinic, but not right. like whole geriatric care, you know, yeah. as, a, as a primary provider for that. Right. Yeah. But no, you're definitely part of my team and you help keep me going, keep me fed. And I just really appreciate you and part of being being part of my constructive coping. So that, especially in this pandemic, it's just been rough. And that's been yeah. like having you on my team and part of my tribe helping me win helping me go and fight this pandemic <laughs> and we are each other's airy soundboard like she's yes. like i can't so we can't say this nobody else but you understand because you know <laughs> like, no for sure and i know we're going to partner and do a lot more great stuff together yeah. uh, with food and with all types of stuff we got a lot of amazing stuff that a lot we're of work on. to do yeah. yes all right well thank you so much for being my guest today thank you i'm so happy we're doing this I know. And so we'll get this episode to the people Yay. and we will, we want everybody to win today. We should, we're going to call it winning, winning self-love Saturday today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we want to wish you all a great self-love Saturday. And I want you to remember to always remember that loving yourself is an act of Self-love Saturday. Help live with love. Self-love Saturday. Breaking cycles. We rebels. Self-love Saturday. Help live with love. Stop the Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels.